Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And I'm Gregor Robertson. We're here with you twice a week throughout the season for all the best reaction and analysis from some of the best football writers in the business. Yes, and joining us today are The Times' very own Henry Winter and making his debut, I believe, Tom Roddy. Hello, Tom. Hello, getting some minutes on the pitch. Indeed, you are. (laughs) Uh, Coming up, we're going to look back on some big shocks in the EFL Cup for West Ham and Bournemouth. But we're going to start with Tottenham Hotspur. A difficult week for Maurizio Pochettino at Spurs, completed on Tuesday when his side were dumped out of the EFL Cup by League Two Colchester United. Pochettino made 10 changes from their defeats at Leicester, with only keeper Paolo Gazzaniga keeping his place. But he still fielded experienced players in Eric Dyer, Deli Ali, Victor Wanyama and Lucas Moura, as well as uh, substitutes Christian Eriksen, Eric Lamella and Son Heung-min. But after a frustrating and goalless 90 minutes last year's semi-finalists saw Eriksen and Moura miss from the spot to send Colchester, the lowest-ranked side in the competition, through 4-3 on penalties. So not a good night for Tottenham. And now, Henry, some are questioning the management of Pochettino. I think there have been questions for a while. Um, if you talk to sort of Tottenham Hotspur fans, they will say, or many of them will say, that this, this dip is, has actually been going since the, uh, the start of the year, particularly away from home, some of the results they've been getting, slightly masked by that fantastic run to the Champions League final. Uh, look, there's uncertainty behind the, the, the scenes with a few of their players, Ericsson, um, for, for one, about their future. I do find it very frustrating looking at it from the outside when you think they've got the best stadium in the country, probably the world, for, for football. They've got probably one of the top three training grounds for any sport in the in the world. They've got a fantastic manager. But the, but the, the tone is being set by the manager in the wrong tone. And Alison Rudd wrote a very good piece in Times this morning about his about his mood, about the sort of the issues around him. I think now is the time for sort of Pochettino to actually go out and be a little bit more defined, a little bit more strong, not talking about different agendas, issues behind the scenes, you know, the, the, the contract situations, and actually being being a leader, a rallying point. Because what he doesn't want is for this family, this strong family that he's he's built of young players, experienced players. To splinter, which it could do. It's quite slightly on a sort of knife edge with, with Tottenham Hotspur mm-hmm. at the moment. So I think he just needs to be stronger, be more positive in his press conference. I mean, I sat in one the other day at, at one of his home press conferences, and I just thought his body language was wrong, the things that he was saying was wrong. This is not what you want from a leader in difficult times. So I think it's down to Pochettino first and foremost to set a better tone. Well, after that defeat at Colchester, he obviously spoke about it and he said it's an, it's energy to be all together, not to have different agendas in the squad. When you hear that, Tom, it is worrying when you hear there's obviously some differences going on there. Mm, uh, I think firstly, uh, Henry kind of set the set the tone there on, on how um, uh, Maurizio Pochettino speaks. They remind me a little bit of... of 
kind of Mourinhoisms in the way in the way that he's talking. There's there's an ambiguity um, to what he says, and it's it's kind of reflected in the way his his team plays. I mean, there's the way they run, the way they they press the ball is is dipped down this season, and and I think the uncertainty over a lot of what is going to happen this summer. You've got the likes of uh, Rose, Sissoko and Dyer who are out of contract in 2021. You've got Eriksen, Vertonghen and Alderweireld who could be gone this summer. Um, and I think the way, this isn't a new thing, the way that Pochettino's talking. There was the criticism of, of, of the stadium, the subtle criticism of the stadium, where he spoke about being the head coach rather than a manager. It, it, it does remind me a little bit of Mourinho and it does it does smell of, of, of the beginning of the end in mm. a way. Well, I was going to say, those Mourinho-isms, as you, as you called it, only leads one way, Gregor. And it's not a positive outcome, really. No, I mean, I think we should put in perspective there's six games of the season gone. There's three points off third. It's This, this group of players as well have shown great kind of character and resilience in the past and bounced back many times from what we thought were serious dips but I agree with what's been said I think just the the tone of what is coming from Pochettino at the moment there are lots of things you can't blame him that really are out with his control like the the lack of activity in the transfer market until this summer for a whole year really um, you know the, the straightened finances because of the new stadium but now uh, where we stand just now the, the noises coming from him are not particularly positive at all um, and there's a real lethargy and kind of sloppiness about about the way they've played so far this season um, and I just can't help but feel that there's, Tottenham are going to look a very different team next summer and even if the, if if Pochettino receives like some major assurances about the investment he's going to get to, to improve the squad I'm still not sure he's going to be the man at the helm next summer as well I've, I think he's I think he's got you know He's talked. He's spoken about the the unsettled players, and they're all, these are some big. It's just been handled so badly. You got Danny Rose, who's twenty nine, Alderweireld's thirty, Vertong uh, in thirty two, Eriksen will be twenty eight by next summer. These are big, important players that he needs mm. now, and they've not. They've, they've neither kind of severed ties with them, nor have they given them contracts that they're willing to sign, and they've not replaced them either. So it's the worst of all worlds. They've got guys they need to play in the team right now who are unhappy, big characters in the dressing room, been a huge part of their success for so many so many of the last few years. Um, and that's inevitably going to have an effect in the changing room. That's got to be what he's really spoke, spoken about, and that's what he's referring to. It's interesting, though, talking about um, the transfer window because Pochettino, you said that Gregor's six games into the season. We're only in September Pochettino's already talking about the January transfer window. Yeah. He yeah. was saying that before that it was only when the, the, the summer window closed that his team would be settled. And from what we saw on Tuesday, it certainly doesn't appear appear settled. Um, and also on the, the, the kind of self-imposed two-window transfer ban, there is a suggestion there that Pochettino is quite... Uh, certain about what players he wants and there was some money available there but he he would he was he was picky about who he wanted so it was kind of it was self-imposed there it's interesting further quotes that he said he mentioned we need time to build that togetherness that you need when you are competing at this level this isn't a new squad this is a squad that has been assembled for some time, Henry. How can he say that we need to build that togetherness? 
Well, very strange. I mean, you know, they didn't seem a lack of togetherness at uh, Ajax when they pulled off that amazing result there. I think everyone was saying, you know, arise to Poch and, and what a fantastic team effort that he's built there, particularly with, with some of the players. If you know the characters of the individuals there, there are actually not too many egos bouncing around that dressing room for, for, for a top team. You look at an individual like sort of Harry Kane, who's also been setting the, the, the tone, this togetherness that, that Harry's always driven. The fact that you look at some of the injuries that, that Kane has picked up, it's almost because he wants to lead from the front. He wants to close down opposing players. I think when he got injured against uh, Fabian Delft, that was because he just wanted to, look, I'm the captain, I want to set the tone, I, you know, we defend from the front and I'm going to close down players. He didn't actually need to do it there. Um, but it's because of that sort of togetherness that, that he wants. But you look at someone like Harry Kane and he's getting to the age when he must look around the club and just say, am I going to achieve the great things that I want to in life here? I mean, Kane is not completely driven by money like a lot of players. He, he wants the, sort of the glory and the silverware as, as well. So it's going to be interesting to see the mood music coming from him. I also think like Pochettino, Kane needs to come out and make a statement and, and rally the, the, the players and the fans again. Because, I mean, as, as, as Gregor quite rightly points out, you know, some perspective is needed. They're not too far off the, uh, of the top. They've got some good players. It actually doesn't need too much dialing back in to, uh, to, to, to get them going again. I think also, I mean, listening to Daniel Levy did an interview in the Financial Times the other day when, the, uh, when they were talking about that this new money that they've raised from uh, the States to, uh, to basically underpin the, uh, the finance of the, of the stadium. He was talking about where there is money to, to spend in the transfer market. Um, but I do think they need to do that. I was amazed they didn't push through with uh, with Jack Grealish when they had a chance a year or so ago. He's just the type of sort of character and, and, and skill factor that they, they could do with now, particularly with Deli Ali slightly off the boil. But look, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. You can't look at what they've got, the squad they've got, the manager they've got, the way they're trying to run the, the, the club sensibly, um, and look at the stadium and the, and the training facilities and the huge fan base they've got and say this is a club teetering on the brink of crisis. So a, a little bit of balance, but also a little bit more uh, you know, mature comments from the manager would help. The West Ham manager, Manuel Pellegrini, took responsibility as his side were bundled out to the Carabao Cup in humiliating fashion by League One Oxford United. They lost 4-0. After a fantastic weekend for Pellegrini's side, beating Manchester United and uh, reaching fifth in the Premier League. He admitted we missed too many passes from the beginning and the responsibility is first on me because I picked the players and second on the team that didn't compete. Now, he made nine changes to that uh, West Ham side. Gregor, when there is a cup shock, inevitably we do focus on the Premier League side. We do have to give credit to Oxford. They played very well. They outplayed and outclassed West Ham in that game. But nine changes, that's a lot of changes to make. Why are managers not taking cup competitions like this one and Manuel Pellegrini seriously? Well, the first thing to say is that that was not uncommon at all in the last couple of nights for mm, the absolutely. number of changes. And that really, I, I think every year that the stage of the cup comes around and we just see that the for Premier League clubs staying, maintaining Premier League status, concentrating on that where, the, where they're going to get their, uh, their, their vast sort of revenue from is, is the absolute be all and end all. Um, and it's a little bit sad. I mean, we we speak about even even Spurs. The Pochettino has been a huge success at that, that club, but he's not won any silverware. And I think you could ask any Spurs fan, and they would like to see 
Spurs yeah. win silverware. And it's the same of, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about Bournemouth or West Ham. Why could they not go on a, a run towards mm-hmm. the final and have a chance of winning this cup when so many teams do take it lightly and they're going to fall by the wayside? Um, but I, we say this every year. We know this is the way it is. They, they take the Premier League as the be all and end all because of the, the amount of money and the sort of fear they have of, of dropping out and just a few few extra games. Um, is they fear that that's going to kind of hinder their their chances of staying in the Premier League, even though they've got huge squads. And and look, let's let's be truthful about it. They also had Jack Wilshire, Zabaleta, Pablo Fornals. They had a team side. big enough, uh, good enough to play and and beat Oxford. But then it comes down to all sorts of things about psychology, and the, some of these guys probably not really wanting to be there. They want to be playing in in the in the Premier League games, the ones that everyone thinks really matters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As you say, West Ham, not the only side to make wholesale changes. Sheffield United, Bournemouth, uh, they did it uh, as well, all getting knocked out. Henry, does it still baffle you that some of these teams, especially the likes of West Ham and, and Bournemouth, who you're not expecting will be relegated, but they're not going to be challenging necessarily for the top four positions. Why are they still not taking these competitions seriously? I, I could understand Sheffield United not going full mm, gun yeah. because because they're in that uh, that part of the table and they, yeah. you know, they know they've got a fight on their hands and not the biggest of squads. I completely agree with you about uh, West Ham and, and Bournemouth. You know, you can you know, look, look at Southampton who you could almost sort of bracket in there. I mean, Tom and I were at Fratton Park the other night. That was a big game. So, you know, local rival and all that. So obviously, um, Hassan Hoodle had to, had to go pretty strong but that was a, that was a very strong team that he, he put out in terms of regular players um, and and they can they controlled the game I, I was at uh, MK Dons for the Liverpool game last night and I thought that um, Klopp got his his team right he had the experienced players he had a sort of Lallana in there Joe Gomez obviously is an in England international even though he's young James Milner was the best player on the pitch 33 running around like an 18 year old but he also he, he wove in some of the sort of you know the, the, the promising youngsters that Liverpool have got coming through particularly Harvey Elliott so look, I, I think there's a balance there but I agree with you completely that the, the, the teams in the middle the middle classes of the Premier League go for it because you're not really at risk of uh, relegation or you should have enough quality to, to steer clear of that it's like Newcastle United you talk to Newcastle United fans year after the year they say all we want is a run in the cup all we want is just a hint of Wembley even if we only get just below the M62 in terms of the journey to, to, to Wembley we want to have to feel that uh, you know that there is something to dream for because we're not going to get necessarily back in Europe we're not going to certainly compete for the Champions League positions or the title so the League Cup you know and particularly we live in a in a media world a social media world where every game is in is important it's not like a year like say five six ten years ago where people could say, well, listen, the heat will die down from the fans leaving the ground at a bad defeat to, to a lesser team uh, from down the pyramid uh, because we've got a game next weekend and people will begin to focus on that. The inquest, you know, you look at Manchester United, you know, OK, so they got through against Rochdale, but the inquest on, on these games, the scrutiny is so huge that just because, in inverted commas, it seems a lesser competition, the scrutiny is not going to lessen. If then, Tom, Premier League sides are undervaluing it, why do we have it? Why do we have the League Cup? <laughs> Blimey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because in France, for example, they've they've said they're going to scrap it. Yeah, and and I can... I mean, I think watching some of the games, even the West Ham one last night, there were so many negatives there 
But at the same time, you know, Nathan Holland was was quite impressive. He he had a performance which you can see him going forward and being part of that first team at some point. It's a it's a chance for players to break into that first team. I was at Chelsea last night, and there's the likes of Reese James. I mean, he he looks certain to be a, a starter within you know weeks, months, whatever. And Callum Hudson Odoi. Um, Billy Gilmore, it's it kind of gives you a little touch and gives them a an insight into into the first team. Um, but yeah, the question about whether whether it's um, the importance of it, uh, I think I think you look back to some managers and clubs how they how they go about a focus on the League Cup. And Mourinho always saw it as as a kind of setting the mantra for his team. It was a it was gave them a taste of victory, um, but. Going back to Tottenham, Marine, uh, Pochettino always looked down on it a little bit with, with scorn because Tottenham were aiming for bigger trophies than that, and I think that's a that's going to be an issue for him and Tottenham this season with with what they're going to do with focusing on you know with the Premier League as well. Um, I don't know where they're going to go with that. Mm. I, I think also we have to remember that that football is not all about the Premier League. So on the flip side, Burton Albion. Again, I caused an upset, and Nigel Clough. There's probably no manager in the country that takes the cup competitions as seriously as him. Yeah, and right. all the clubs he's he has managed have been given some memories that will last a long, long time, longer than than you will spend in one division. Burton Albion were relegated last season, and they went to the semi-finals of this competition. It was a bit of a humbling against Manchester City, I think we'll remember. Mm-hmm. But that is a powerful thing, and they did the same at Sheffield United. They got to they got to the same final of the FA Cup, and I think they lost to Hull, didn't they? Um, so he, look, it's it's not just about the Premier League teams, and that's true as well. What Tom is saying is there is the value in in getting the young players into. It. I I got my debut in that competition as well uh, for Nottingham Forest at Tramier Rover, so I'll always remember it. And I don't <laughs> think you know I got that opportunity in that game rather than a, than a league game, and I played two weeks later in the league because they saw. I could do it in the in the first team, so that happens all the time up and up and down the country. So there's definitely a value in it, Henry. Yeah, Natalie, sorry, so yeah, absolutely. I'm Gregory. Is so right. This this competition, it's a sort of slight bugbear of mine. Um, how important this competition is. Um, you know, as Gregor says, we look at things from a Premier League perspective. But look at some of the players who made their debut in this competition. Trent Alexander-Arnold's first two games for Liverpool were in this competition. David Beckham, Paul Pogba. It's a really important competition for giving, as we say, the sort of the elite players that start. But also, we have to remember, particularly at a time like this, this is the season of Barry and Bolton. It's so important for money to filter down into uh, to, to the EFL clubs. Everyone said when the, when sort of Barry had their their sort of sad you know ongoing crisis. Why aren't Manchester United and Manchester City, their wealthy neighbours, helping out? They can't. It is sort of illegal on the footballing rules for, for them to help them financially. But what you can do is, with a competition like the uh, the League Cup, is for this money to filter through through television deals, through fans turning up uh, in their in their thousands. And I think it's absolutely brilliant that there is this focus on the uh, on, on the football league. We were, as I say, Tom and I were at Fratton Park the other night, and it was just a reminder for television, for, for print 
guys like myself for radio. I was sitting next to the, the, the talks. I was sitting next to Sam Matterface, who was totally capturing the, uh, you know, the atmosphere, the, what it meant for the Southampton fans, what it meant for the, the Portsmouth fans. And we've got to remember that this is about 92 clubs. This isn't just about the elite 20. It's not just about the sort of, you know, the four fighting for the Champions League. Football is a, is a pyramid. And I keep coming back to the statistics that 20 of the 23 players that Gareth Southgate took to the to the World Cup semi-finals last year, they were in inverted commas raised in the EFL, whether playing in in the League Cup or whether going on on loan. So we've got to remember the importance of uh, of life outside the Premier League. And Gregor is, is is completely right for players, for fans, for owners. It's absolutely important that this 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 trophy, this competition, is is properly looked after. Wonderful, Henry. Thank you. Is that me done? That's you done. Is that all right? <laughs> okay. See, nice and quick. Right. We thought that was brilliant, though. Thank you, Henry. Thanks, Henry. Brilliant. All right. Good to talk to you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So after the EFL Cup in midweek, it is, of course, back to the Premier League this weekend. And the big game is on Monday night at Old Trafford. It sees Manchester United taking on Arsenal. A huge game, obviously, for both managers, for both teams. But if we focus on the home side, Gregor and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, going into that game after what is a victory on a penalty shootout against (laughs) Rochdale, so some positives, it still will be... Perhaps there is still some negatives to come away from that result because it was only a 1-1 draw at 90 minutes against Rochdale. Absolutely. I mean, Solskjaer is already looking like a kind of ghostly figure on the bench. He's aging by the week, like mm. the way that David Moyes did, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing what that job does to people. Yeah. Um, look, United had lots of chances. I think they had 31 attempts on... 31 shots, eight, only eight were on target, but... Um, they had chances. They were really, really poor in front of goal. Um, and Rochdale, it was a fantastic night for them. Obviously, 16-year-old um, scored the winner. Uh, turning up to turning up uh, for school school this morning. Imagine that. To <laughs> oh. so um, take a psychology exam. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So um, it, it was it was it was a kind of a real a, a real chastening evening, I think, for for Manchester United. Um, because let's not forget, this is a team who I think were seventeenth in the in the third division, um, with a three million wage bill. 
Manchester United are paying double that to, to Sanchez while he's playing for Inter Milan. So yeah, look, it was it was a tough evening for them, but they'll quickly um, look forward to this game, and it's going to be even tougher. Um, and we've, we spoke about this this last week. I think Manchester United they could be could be ex- going to experience a season that's really a cycle of they they have players who can get results and have quality. Um, but there's going to be a kind of recurring cycle. I feel at best, where where we are having having this discussion about about the kind of what, what direction Manchester United are going, and um, and at worst we could be seeing a sort of slow sort of uh, slide into into the lower half of the table, and then real question marks for uh, for Solskjaer. Mm. It was yeah, sixteen or Luke Matheson, and then they got the equaliser for Manchester United, and. I spoke to Jameen McNulty, one of the defenders for Rochdale, and he actually said, going to Old Trafford, there's no fear going there. <laughs> and this, yeah, this is what he said. I asked him how, what it was like to play at the so-called Theatre of Dreams, and he referred to it as having no fear. There's, it's, you could go there and feel like you could get a result. And they nearly pulled it off. I think there is fear at Old Trafford, but it's in the home dressing yes, room. Maybe that's, so. That's that's the issue at the moment. No, uh, I think there's a there's there's the steady decline continues, doesn't it? And um, going back, it all goes back to last season, and and I understand how people got overawed by the idea of of Solskjaer taking the reins after after such a brilliant start to the role but it, it now he's still a manager who's kind of trying to find himself isn't he he still doesn't know where he's going or 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 what he's doing particularly he's focusing on youth he's brought in Dan James who I've been impressed with I like I like Dan James uh Harry Maguire's come in and and done he's helped solidify that defense but it's not been quite what you'd expect um and then, you know, Arsenal coming now. It's I, I feel for them again. I don't think they'll 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 get the result on Monday night either. Interesting, you mentioned the defence there. Obviously, Arsenal played in the EFL Cup as well. There were five nil winners over Nottingham Forest, and there are a lot of players returning or making their debut, as it was for Kieran Tierney. Uh, Rob Holding uh, was in there, and uh, I think Hector Bellerin played his part uh, as well. Um, five nil win for Arsenal, as I mentioned there, Gregor. They're obviously going to go into this one with a lot of confidence and more so because they now have a defence that's starting to take a proper shape. Yeah, I'd be interested to see. I mean, I'm not sure Tierney or Bellerin would start. I mean, they'll want to get them in that defence as soon as they can because yeah. they're huge upgrades. Um, and Holding got himself a goal. And, a, you know, it just still seems bizarre that Arsenal are pinning their hopes on the return of Rob Holding. You know, I still mm. there's still issues in that in that back line. Um, even at full strength, I think I'm really excited to see Kieran Tierney because um, he is, like I've said before, he was someone who was more highly thought of than Andy Robertson until probably two years ago um, in Scotland. And as Andy Robertson came down here, improved sort of over like, dramatically during his time at Liverpool. Um, and I think Kieran Tierney has the same attitude as him, and he has got the potential to do that to improve to this to the same degree. Um, so I think he he'll be a huge, huge addition for 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 Arsenal. Um, but yeah, I think I think obviously they're they're the team. There was a lot of kind of happiness I think about about that that evening. I know it was against a team from a lower division, um, but the performance, the return of those players, 
it was really it was a kind of a bit of buoyancy, I think, about the Emirates after that result. Yeah, I'm sure it would have galvanised them even more, which is only going to put the fear into Manchester United even more. Yeah, I think there's a there's also a belief at, at the Emirates with a game like that. You know, sometimes um, the League Cup, as we were talking about earlier, you get players, young players, who come through, and then they're they're kind of ushered back into into the academy, whereas. With that game, uh, the Arsenal, the five five nil win, you've got the likes of Joe Willock, who who for years and years has been highly thought of in the academy. Comes from such a talented family with his two brothers, who were both in the academy as well. Who who has already um, made his debut and is already a a key member of that first team squad. Um, it was disappointing to see Emil Smith Rowe go off with concussion again because I think he's going to be a big player at Arsenal at some point and he's struggled with uh, coming back from injury this year. Um, but again, I think there, there's a lot of hope coming from the academy at Arsenal. Uh, so, you know, that that helped show that. Mm, reasons to be optimistic. Then. And also uh, Gabriel Mart- Martinelli. Mm. It was a really um, excellent uh, debut for him so they seem they have potential now you know there's glimpses they've got a front three that people were talking about a few weeks ago thinking this is you know could be up there with, with Liverpool so they have potential in the ranks to be to be really exciting going forward they're just lacking consistency and the defence is always going to be a worry so getting those players back um, and, and, and having have, and the knowledge that they have that sort of attacking firepower as well and all is not lost for, for Arsenal definitely and this is um this is the it's 13 years since Arsenal have won at Old Trafford and I think this is likely to be the most the best opportunity they'll have in that time without a doubt you know a weakened beatable Man United and an Arsenal with an attack which terrify any defence Now, four years ago this week, Stoke started a run of four straight wins in the League Cup and Premier League. That season, they also beat Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United and won the second leg of their League Cup semi-final with Liverpool, only to lose on penalties. They finished ninth that season in 2015-16 above Chelsea, above Everton and one place below Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. Fast forward to now and on Tuesday Stoke were knocked out of the EFL Cup by League 2 Crawley on penalties after one all draw in 90 minutes they are second bottom of the championship with it being reported that Nathan Jones could lose his job it's been a torrid tenure for him at uh, the Bet365 hasn't it Gregor? Yeah I mean I think he's won four games since he arrived last January mm. um, not won three points since April he has had some bad luck and, and look there's really long standing issues at that football club from, from relegation and from in terms of the recruitment they made but they have a squad that costs for getting on to £150 million um, and he can't have much longer but it, really sad, it would really sadden me I think if, if we saw Nathan Jones leave because it's not very often you see managers from the lower leagues get these sorts of op- opportunities and, and Stoke sort of it was a sign of intent. They they sort of they thought we're taking a different direction here in terms of the recruitment we're gonna gonna start doing. We're gonna have a, a young manager who will play football in a different way. After obviously there was for so long they were known for Tony Pulis and the style of football he he played and Mark Hughes who was kind of there were some good times under him but uh, it ended really 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 badly. Obviously Gary Rowett beforehand he was he was someone who plays fairly sort of uh, attritional football. 
also didn't really get many results either. So it's been a tough time, mm. <laughs> a long kind of a long period of decline for that football club. And you just want to see. Uh, I'd like to see him get get longer personally, because although he was given time to, he was he was given um, backing in the summer in terms of bringing on bringing in about ten players. I think they're almost all on free transfers. He's not had anything like the money that that his predecessors uh, were able to spend. And he's had a huge issues in terms of getting players out on loan that were on huge, big money, big Premier League wages and dealing with sort of a fractured dressing room and, and a huge squad. Uh, a lot of players who don't really want to be there or think they should still be in the Premier League. Um, Do you think that's part of the problem? That there are players that have that Premier League hangover? Undoubtedly, yeah. I mean, there have been players more so that have been shipped out on loan. People like Kevin Vimmer players who are on big money were signed in that last say, in a Premier League season and really have just been a disaster getting them out the door it didn't happen until quite late in the transfer window and then there are still players who have just not really lived up to their transfer fees and, and their billing and so yeah look I know that I'm not naive I know he should he's not going to get much longer but I, I really would hope that he gets given a bit more time because this was supposed to be a new direction for that football club and when you look at the people who are being t- spoken about for replacement, someone like Chris Hutton, um, great manager, very capable, but that feels like a step. Step back sounds like the wrong thing to say, but a step back into a, the sort of the past uh, in terms of the types of managers that they've been employing. Whereas Nathan Jones was someone who has got a, a sort of steadfast belief in what he's what he does and uh in the style of football he wants to play he's got a philosophy that he wants to stick to the only problem is when they've not been getting the results it's hard for him to stick to it and he's mm-hmm. sometimes put an extra man in defense and, and things like that so it's not looking good at all um but i i would really hope that he gets given a chance because we've spoken about it's not easy for managers who step up to get another chance afterwards well that's the thing and at Luton they played such attractive football they were doing such he was doing such a great job in, in guiding that club to what ended up being promotion for them he obviously had left by yeah. the time they had secured promotion but do you think something like the Stoke job is a bit of a poison chalice now it's such a difficult job to take on yeah I mean as we said there's been Several people have come come and gone now, and well, one who might soon to be, soon go, um, and it does kind of make you think, wonder whether he regrets going. We spoke about this before. He, he sort of these guys never are never short of ego and belief in themselves, and him is him in particular. I mean, he's uttered the words, "I want to manage Barcelona one day." He has got st- strong got belief in good himself. Confidence. Yeah, devout Christian, and he's got a real faith in <laughs> his own abilities as well. Obviously, he thinks he thought he could turn it round. He looked at the squad, most expensively assembled squad in the championship. knew knew that he would get backing, and he he thought he could turn it around. And it's obviously there's there's so many things going on behind the scenes that are it doesn't almost ma- doesn't matter who you are. I think some you know you occasionally see clubs who are in such a kind of spiral of decline and suffering a sort of debilitating effects of mismanagement over a number of years. That really whoever comes in. It's, as you say, a poison chalice. So he might look at Luton now in a club that, you know, he could have built a real legacy around and think maybe I should have, maybe the grass wasn't greener because, as I say, it's hard to get another opportunity once you, we only have to look at, at Paul Hurst who left was sat for, by uh, Ipswich Town after he'd, he'd done brilliantly at, at Shrewsbury Town the season before and now he's, I mean, he was passed up for the Notts County job and now he's at Scunthorpe who are at the, near the foot of the of, uh, of the Football League. People like the the Cowleys at, at Huddersfield, 
that stood out because it's rare. That these, these moves don't happen very often. Do you think sometimes when you have players that have been in the Premier League, so, you know, well-known, established players, when a manager comes in like a Nathan Jones, who they may not know of, does that put them off? Does that make them think, well, who are you? Who, do, who are you for me to take orders off? I think that, you know, I think that can be one factor. Yeah, I do. I do believe so. I think, you know, he's dealing with guys who are, with players who are completely different outlook on, on the game. He's spoken about his looting side would kind of kick their own grannies to, to, to win three points for him. I think he even said that a couple of weeks ago. Would these guys do that? They've, they're multi-millionaires. They're kind of a little smarting a little bit from either being left out of the, the team, from being relegated, from not, no longer being Premier League players. And they look at this guy who really, I think the other thing is a lot of championship players, they don't really look much below the league they're playing and they probably heard about him if he won a cup game or something like that but they don't they don't really know who he is there's not there's no profile if a manager comes in with a bit more stature certainly there's a different different outlook I think so I, I think it's but that's part of the challenge that's something he will have known about he brought in Paul Hart as his, as his assistant who's a kind of well respected figure and used to manage Nottingham Forest Portsmouth a few others you know experienced beside him and that's that's part of the challenge that's part of what what he's got to get through but this is the this is the the phase he's in he's still trying to sort of move players on and uh, build his own squad and and people who will do run through brick walls like like the Luton Town players did because when once he gets to that point we've seen there's evidence the evidence of that Luton side they were one of the most played some of the best football in the football league some of the most attractive attacking football scored I think they scored 300 goals in, a, in 170 games hmm. something close to that so that was what the kind of hope was for Stoke and I think I just want to see him given a bit more time I think to, to see that come to fruition well that is it for now many thanks to our guests today Tom Roddy and Henry Winter remember you can subscribe to the Times and the Sunday Times to enjoy award winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet it is just a pound a week for an eight week trial search the Times subscription for more information and we'll be back on Monday. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.